0: Chapter 9 of High Acres by Jane Abbott. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter 9 The Secret Door The routine of Jerry's new life shaped into pleasant ways. She felt more like Jerry Travis and less like a dream creature living in a golden world she had brought around her by wishing on a wishing rock she could not have found a moment in which to be homesick twice a week she wrote back to sweetheart and little dad long scrawly letters that would have disgraced her in the eyes of miss gray of the english department but expressed such utter happiness and contentment that mrs travis with the little regret dismissed the fear that Jerry would be lonely away from her and Sunnyside. After the first week of school, the girls and boys settled down to what Graham called digging. Geometry looked less formidable to Jerry. Cicero was like a beautiful old friend. Jip was with her in English and history. Jenny Cox was in one of her classes, too, and Jerry liked her better each day. Patricia Everett was teaching her to play tennis until basketball practice began. There were pleasant walks to and from school through the city streets, whose teeming life never failed to fascinate Jerry. The jolly recess, breaking the school session, when the girls gathered around the long tables and ate their lunch, and then the afternoon's play on the athletic field at High Acres. Had old Peter Wesley ever pictured as he sat alone in his great empty house, how high acres would look after scores of young feet had trampled over its velvety stretches. Perhaps he had liked that picture. Perhaps to him his halls were echoing even then to the hum of young voices. Perhaps he had felt that these young lives that would pass over the threshold of the house he had built out into the world of men and women would belong, in some way." to him who had never had a boy or girl. One afternoon, Jip and Jerry lingered in the school building to prepare a history lesson from references they had to find in the library. Jip hated to study. The drowsy stillness of the room was broken by the pleasant shouting from the playground outside. She threw down her pencil and stretched her long arms.
1: Oh, goodness, Jerry, let's stop. We can ask Mother all these things
0: jerry was quite willing to be tempted she too had found it hard to hold her attention to the thirty-one dynasties jip leaned toward her
1: i'll tell you let's go exploring there are all the rooms in the back we've never seen
0: during the past six months workmen had been rebuilding the rear wing of high Acres into laboratories the changes had not been completed jip and jerry climbed over materials and tools and little piles of rubbish poking inquisitive noses into every corner. Now and then, Jip stopped to ask a workman a few questions. They stumbled around in the basement, where in a few weeks there would be a very complete machine shop and carpentry room. Then they found a stairway that led to the upper floors and scampered up it.
1: Oh, Jerry Travis, I wish you could see yourself!
0: laughed Jip as they paused on the third floor.
1: Your face is dirty, too.
0: Jerry retorted.
1: "'Isn't this fun? It doesn't seem a bit like school, does it? I wonder if they're ever going to use these rooms. Let's play hide-and-seek. I'll blind and count twenty, and you hide, and we mustn't make a sound.'"
0: Which, you know, is a very hard thing to do when one is playing hide-and-seek. Jip's charm, and there was much charm in this lanky girl, lay in her irrepressible spirits. Jip was certain, and every boy and girl of her acquaintance knew it, to find an opportunity for fun in the most unpromising circumstances. No one but Jip could have known what fun it would be to play hide-and-seek in the halls and rooms of the third floor of High Acres, especially when one had to step very softly and bite one's lips to keep back any sound. It was Jerry's turn to blind. She leaned her arm against the narrow frame of a panel painting of George Washington that was set in the wall at a turn in the corridor. As she rested her face against her arm, she felt the picture move ever so slightly under her pressure. Startled, she stepped back. Slowly, as though pushed by an invisible hand, the panel swung out into the corridor. "'Jip!' cried Jerry so sharply that Jip appeared from her hiding place in a twinkling. "'Look
1: what I did!' (laughs)
0: jerry felt as though the entire building might slowly and sedately collapse around her
1: for goodness sake
0: cried jip staring she swung the panel out
1: it's a door jerry travis it's a secret door
0: she put her head through the narrow opening jerry she reached back an eager hand
1: look it's a stairway a secret stairway
0: jerry put her head in enough light filtered through a crack above so that the girls could make out the narrow winding steps. They were very steep and only broad enough for one person to squeeze through.
1: Come on, Jerry, let's— Chip, you don't know where it will take you.
0: Jerry suddenly remembered their poor princess in her dungeon.
1: Silly, nothing could hurt us. Come on, close the panel. There, like that. I'll go first.
0: She led the way, Jerry tiptoeing gingerly behind her. The door at the top gave under Jip's push, and to their amazement the girls found themselves in the tower room. It was a square room, with a sloping ceiling and narrow windows. There was nothing in the least unusual about it. Jip and Jerry looked about them, vaguely disappointed. It might have been, with its litter of old furniture, chests of books, piles of magazines and papers, an attic room in any house." The October sunshine filtered in thin bars through the dust-stained windows. Cobwebs festooned themselves fantastically overhead. The opening that led to the secret stairway appeared on the inside of the room to be a built-in bookcase on the shelves of which were now piled an assortment of hideous bric-a-brac which Mrs. Robert Wesley had refused to take into her own home.
1: Well, it's fun anyway, just having the secret stairway
0: decided Jip, scowling at what she mentally called the junk about her.
1: Why do you suppose Uncle Peter had it built in?
0: Jerry could offer no explanation.
1: Hadn't we ought to tell someone?
0: Jip scorned the thought, part with their precious secret? Let everybody know that that imposing portrait of George Washington hid a secret door? Why, even Mother and Uncle Johnny couldn't know it. It was their very own secret.
1: I should say not. At least, she added, Not for a while. I guess I'm a Westley and I have a right to come up here.
0: Which argument sounded very convincing to Jerry.
1: Oh, I have the grandest idea.
0: Jip dragged Jerry to the faded window seat and plumped down upon it so hard that it sent a little cloud of dust about them.
1: Let's get up a secret society, like the horrid old sphinxes
0: fraternities and sororities were not allowed in lincoln school but from time to time there had sprung up secret bands of boys and girls that held together by irrevealable ties for a little while then passed into school history one of these was the sphinxes they were annoyingly mysterious and dark rumors were current that their antics if known would not meet in the least the approval of the lincoln faculty isabel was a sphinx most faithful to her vows, so that all the teasing and bribing that Graham's and Jip's fertile brains could contrive, failed to drag one tiny truth from her. Of course, Jerry had been at Lincoln long enough to know all about the Sphinxes. And she knew, too, that Jip meant to suggest a society that would be like the Sphinxes only in that it was secret." She could not be one of that third-form study room without sharing the general scorn of the sophomores for the seniors' sphinxes.
1: We can meet up here, you see, once a week, and let's have it a secret society that'll stand ready to serve Lincoln with their very lives, uh, like those secret bands and men in the South, after the Civil War.
0: Jerry declared, of course, that Jip's suggestion was wonderful.
1: We'll have a real initiation, where we'll all swear our allegiance to Lincoln School forever and ever, and we'll have spreads, and it'll be such fun making everyone wonder where we meet. And we'll have terribly funny signs." What'll we call it?"
0: asked Jerry, ashamed that she could offer nothing to the plan.
1: Let's call it the Ravens and Serpents. That sounds so awful and we won't be at all. And a crawly snake is such a dreadful symbol, and it's very easy to draw.
0: Jip's brain worked at lightning pace in its initiative.
1: What girls shall we ask?
0: Jip rattled off a number of names. They were all girls who were in the third-form study room.
1: Can't we ask Jenny Cox?
0: Jip considered. No. She answered decidedly.
1: She'd be fun, but she's too chummy with Mary Star, and Mary Star's a sphinx. We can't ask her.
0: Jip was right, of course, Jerry thought, but she wished Jenny Cox might be invited to join.
1: Let's go down now. Oh, won't it be fun? Swear, Gerald Travis, that burning irons won't drag our secret from you. Nothing will make me tell,
0: promised Jerry. They stole down the stairway, moved George Washington carefully back into place, tiptoed to the main floor and out into the sunshine. Thus did the secret order of the ravens and serpents have its birth. Jip assembled various symbols, impressive in their terribleness, that during the study hours of the next day conveyed with the help of whispered explanations and a violent exchange of notes invitations to six other girls to join the new order and after the close of school eight pupils elected to remain indoors ostensibly to study eight heads bent diligently over the long oak table in the library until a safe passage into the deserted halls above was assured Then Jip and Jerry led the new ravens to the secret door, where, in a sepulchral whisper, Jip extracted a solemn promise from each that she would not divulge the secret of the hidden stairway. One by one, quite breathless with excitement, they climbed to the tower room, where Jip, with ridiculous solemnity, called to order the first assembly of the ravens and serpents of Lincoln's school. All the Ravens agreed with Jip that their secret society must pledge itself to protect and serve the spirit of Lincoln. Then, having disposed of that, they fell eagerly to discussing plans for spreads.
1: Let's take turns bringing eats. How often shall we meet? Let's meet every Wednesday. Melodia always makes tarts on Tuesday, and maybe I can coax her to make some extra ones,
0: offered Patricia Everett.
1: And the dancing class is in the gym, Nan, and no one will notice us. We ought to have knives and forks and things like a regular club. And a president and a secretary. I ought to be president.
0: Jip's tone was final. The other ravens assented amicably.
1: Of course you ought to be. And Jerry can be secretary because she helped find this spliffy room. Girls, at the next meeting let's each bring a knife, fork, spoon, plate and cup. Oh, won't it be fun?
0: a raven pirouetted on her toes in a most unparliamentary and unbirdlike fashion
1: pat and i'll bring the eats next wednesday
0: declared peggy
1: someone has to start if we've decided everything we have to decide this meeting's adjourned
0: and without further formal procedure jip summarily brought to an end the first meeting of the ravens after a merry half-hour they tiptoed down the secret stairway George Washington went back to his place on the wall, and the eight girls scattered, each to her own home, with hearts that were fairly bursting with excitement. That evening at the dinner table, Jip, very obviously, made a secret sign to Jerry. She brought one hand, with a little downward spiral movement, to rest upon the other hand, the first two fingers of each interlocked.
1: Oh, oh, that's a secret sign you made,
0: cried Tibby.
1: Well, maybe it is
0: answered Jip, putting her spoon in her soup with assumed indifference.
1: Some silly girls' society, I'll bet,
0: put in Graham with a tormenting grin. Jip had passed beyond the age when Graham's teasing could disturb her. She smiled to show how little she minded his words.
1: You'll know, my dear brother, sometime whether we're silly or not,
0: she answered with beautiful dignity.
1: We're not a society that's organized just for fun.
0: Which was, of course, a slap at the Sphinxes. Isabel roused suddenly to an active interest in the discussion.
1: You're just copycats,
0: she declared, with a withering scorn that brought Graham to Gib's defense. No wonder Jerry never found a moment in the Wesley home dull. You needn't think. He shot across the table at Isabel.
1: That's because you have waves in your hair. You're the whole ocean. Funny little boy,
0: Isabel retorted, trying hard to hold back her anger.
1: Mother, I should think you'd make Graham stop using his horrid slang. That's not slang. That's idiomatic English,
0: added Graham, smiling mischievously at his mother. He chuckled.
1: You should have heard Don Black in geometry class today. He got up and said, Two triangles are equal if two sides and the included angle of one are equal respectfully to two sides. And when we all laughed, he got sore as a cat.
0: End of chapter 9 of High Hickers by Jane Abbott